Hello, my name is Natalia Fedorczyk. I'm here with the Clark Forum at Dickinson College. Today I'll be interviewing Ms. Katrina Brudel. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Natalia. Good to hear. How did your time at Dickinson shape your vision of the good life? I think at Dickinson, it was really, when I was there for undergrad, it was really the first time that I had a chance to kind of choose what things I wanted to learn about, really get involved in different things on campus, and just felt for the first time kind of much more freedom to explore. And I think that that, for me, was the kind of kickoff to to being more intentional about life overall. Because as you know, when you're younger in childhood and even a teenager in, in a high school environment, you have some pretty, a lot of guardrails and there's very, you, you kind of do what your parents ask you to do or your teachers or others. But um, once you get to Dickinson, it's like the world is wide open for you. So that experience, I think, definitely set me off in thinking about how I can be more intentional in living my life. Definitely. And how do you feel that Dickinson has prepared you to find that balance between an unjust world and then also a good life? So at Dickinson, it was the first time I was able to, in addition to, um, I was a major, uh, majored in Spanish and in religion, but also did some campus activities that for me really started to speak to this, this big aspect of my idea of the good life, which is being engaged in the broader world around me and on issues I care about. And when I was at Dickinson, even though I was not an environmental science major, um, my sophomore year, I lived in the Treehouse Center for Sustainable Living and was kind of a friend of, of that, of the environmental science department and did a lot of activities with them and just was learning a lot about all different issues, everything from climate change to environmental justice issues and communities. So that for me was, was one kind of point of entry and way of engaging that Dickinson um, was really the start for me. Similarly, I was also engaged and really active with Amnesty International on campus. And so just being a part of that community and, and learning more about injustice around the world and having Dickinson kind of be the place that I could explore that was certainly, you know, helpful for me in realizing that you can, you can engage with the world in ways that are uh, meaningful to you and still really enjoy, you know, all other aspects of your life at the same time. Definitely. And with the current pandemic that's ongoing and has been ongoing for the past couple of years, do you feel that the stay-at-home order has shifted your understanding of what it means to spend time with family? It definitely has. That's a great question. Yeah, I, I would say certainly it's refocused, I think, a lot of our worlds into more of an interior and a home life space. And so I think that, that, that the pandemic has made my family and, and me kind of think about, you know, what kind of relationship do I want to have with my family? How is this, all this time we're spending together, how can we make it meaningful? But also for me, it's a mix of, as a parent, there's a lot of kind of solitude there too. So like, even though you're surrounded 24 seven in during those day at home orders by family, unlike a lot of people who were maybe completely alone, part of what I was actually craving was time away, <laughs> time alone, because I was with family so much. And the family that I was with were young children. And so you, there's a lot of kind of loneliness because you're not connecting with other adults, maybe as you did day to day before then. So it was this weird mix of like wanting to be alone, but also wanting to connect. And I think at least for, for folks who had, you know, young families at home during the pandemic, that was an interesting like conflict in feeling like, how do I, how do I navigate this in a way that's not going to kind of take away your energy or your joy for life, but still really be an interesting and, and meaningful opportunity to connect. So 
That's a, yeah, it's a tricky question. I think everybody had a different experience throughout the pandemic on how they related to others. Um, and, and it really did depend a lot on kind of what your actual home life was like. How would you say that one could include their families on their personal journey towards determining their vision of a good life? One of the things I do when I was thinking about the good life overall and that I've done throughout my life is, is thinking about instead of what do I want it to look like or what things do I want to do or what do I want to accomplish? I've always taken this idea of instead thinking, how do I want to feel? And that for me has guided me because I wanted to feel connection and a sense of calm and, and connection to my spiritual center, as well as meaningful connection to others. I think as you go through life, you realize that you don't need to have uh, deep connections with every person you meet, but for the ones where you do feel like there's something meaningful there, that, those are really worth cultivating and will kind of pay dividends as you go through life with that connection. The other big piece was kind of a sense of connection to the broader world. But as I moved through life, became, you know, was getting married, became a parent. My idea of the good life became something that was just not just myself alone, but was thinking about the good life more as a shared experience between multiple lives. So, you know, a good life for my family or a good life for my partner and I. And so that has shifted over time. And I still go back to this idea of well, how do we want our marriage to feel or how do we want our home to feel? And um, that's, you know, my husband and I decided what we hope our home feels like for our kids growing up. But now that they're a little bit older, they're almost seven and nine years old. I'm really excited in a year or two to ask them, what do they want their lives to, what do they want our family life to, to feel like? So we can maybe actually dialogue about that as a family. And it's a good question to just keep coming back to, I think, so we can make sure we're being intentional about creating those opportunities and those experiences together. Definitely. Do you think that there's kind of the opportunity to apply that dialogue and question to like a larger community? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, and I, I do, I, it's, it's probably more of a, um, you know, in the right setting, I think it can be done really well. If you are, for example, managing a team or even just part of a, an organization that you're all kind of co-creating together, that's a really valuable first question you can ask to make sure everyone feels heard and everyone's even philosophically in the right place before maybe you move on to things like strategy or tactics or um, activities you might do together, but really thinking about what is this feeling we want to create. And so, um, yeah, you can absolutely do that in any other setting, whether it's a classroom and student club and organization, even broader movements. I think that's really something that can be very powerful. Yeah. And then how do you feel that your time at the Hershey company and your current position has contributed to your feelings of peace and balance, maybe in other ways that are in ways that other careers maybe not may, may not have been able to do that? So I don't know if I have it all figured out at Hershey, but I have I feel extremely lucky to work at the company. It is for me a great way of blending a lot of my experience to date. So I don't, you know, I, I feel like my perspective is valued there, even though I'm not a traditional business person or marketing expert. Um, I have no formal training in business, but I do have a lot of background on how to create good partnerships, how to work across sectors. So not just within the business community, but with the nonprofit sector and local governments and really trying to kind of bring all of those different aspects of my background into the role today, I think is, is why I'm successful because I'm not seeing things just through a traditional business lens. For me though, 
I would say it's a great opportunity to, to learn as well as to think about how you can take a company that's been around for over 125 years and maybe change a little bit the way it operates. So that way it's there able to kind of operate more sustainably, more justly and ethically uh, moving forward. So that's for me, um, kind of what keeps me going in that role is that, that chance to do those things. What do you feel that your greatest success or discovery in your personal journey towards peace and kind of balance has been? I don't think it's it's hard to think about what a greater greatest success might be. For me, I think it really is just the ability to be aware. So for me, I feel like I'm I have that sense of peace or even just satisfaction and contentment with where I am in my life right now and what's going on because I have the ability to literally ask myself that question every day and tune in with how I'm feeling. Be aware that there are, you may be experiencing conflicts, there's stress, there's anxiety in your life, whatever it might be. Just being being self-aware enough to have space for that, I think is really helpful. So, and from a mental health perspective, like, you know, you're going to have ups and downs throughout life. So it's really just how do you kind of make a sense of like acceptance for that instead of thinking of things in terms of success of like oh this one moment in my life it's more just like hey I think I have the tools that I need to kind of manage all the ups and downs that might happen in life and to kind of seek out more opportunity and be more intentional on my response and the you know the activities I want to take forward um, just because of having that self-awareness on how I'm feeling day to day yeah do you think that kind of the things that you have learned and like the things you are currently learning kind of fit a vision of what you had for your future when you were at Dickinson? Yeah, it's a great question. I always, I think my vision leaving Dickinson or within a year or so of that was, you know, I really had no idea of exactly what I wanted to do career-wise, but I knew kind of always in my bones growing up, but certainly heightened at Dickinson was the sense of, of really wanting to feel like I could help in some way um, and that I could foster some sort of dialogue and understanding and build great partnerships or bring people together uh, around common goals. And so I do feel like in the, the roles that I was able to take on and throughout my career, I have been able to do that. So I feel very well prepared for, um, for what that vision was, even though I had no way of knowing exactly how it would unfold. In your experience, can you maybe list some things or some suggestion of things that people could identify about themselves and their realities in order to kind of start their journey towards their vision of a good life? I, I think it would be really hard. I would just recommend, really hard to say anything in particular. I would recommend two big practices. One is, is thinking about how you feel and noticing that. And also thinking about how you feel when you feel most alive. So like something I, I spoke about in our talk was this how central the concept of joy is and and really joy is you know it might be something exciting and celebratory or, or something you absolutely love to do um, like a passion or a hobby but really it boils down to just presence and so I think when you notice that you kind of lost yourself there for a minute or you notice you felt this rush of it may be serotonin or it's when your whole body goes tingly if you hear a favorite song that comes on the radio or you're out hiking and all of a sudden you just like take a deep breath and you're like, whoa, and you're suddenly really in the moment. Notice how your body feels in moments like that. And I think that that also will help you understand more 
what the good life might mean to you or what, what feelings kind of bring that on. But I think just being present is a huge way to unlock all aspects of that. So just, you know, taking note, put the phone down, you know, talk with people, but like also be really present with yourself. Even if you're feeling like a tough time, like just notice it and go through it. Cause that might also be good information for you to know what direction is not the right direction. So you have to really kind of listen to that intuition. Definitely. How do you feel that relaying the status of the world to children has shifted, like in terms of pandemic and how that has changed your life and your family's life? I think all parents right now have a lot of, um, a lot of work to do in sharing. You know, we talk with our kids about climate change and the environment and I think age appropriate ways, all different other issues. Racial justice has been one that's been kind of coming up for our family a lot over the past few years. Our kids have gone to, you know, Black Lives Matter, movement protests and things like that over the past, over the last few summers. I think showing kids that there are different ways to be meaningfully engaged, um, by actually showing them how parents are engaged is the best way to talk about those issues. Like, so my kids see me, <laughs> I do a few other things. Um, I care really a lot about democracy and fair elections and making sure that, that that continues for all of us and that doesn't get taken away or gerrymandered out of um, our voice. So I recently, they, my kids see me doing two things. One, I write postcards. I, tend, I have wonderful handwriting. It's like a small little secret. <laughs> secret talent of mine, but so I write postcards, encouraging folks to vote, encouraging folks to, you know, vote on really important issues that impact them. And so they see me in the evening sitting and, and writing postcards. And then they ask me like, why do you do this? And, and then it's a conversation about, hey, everybody's voice matters. These are some of the things that are happening right now in our world and how they're taking away our voices or trying to do that. Um, so we try to talk about it that way. Um, the other thing they saw me over the past two years in 2020, I um, ran for office and became our local judge of elections, which basically in Pennsylvania just means that I'm in charge of my local polling place and organizing poll workers and making sure that everything happens in my polling place in accordance of the laws of Pennsylvania and how elections are supposed to run. And for me, that was just my one way of getting involved and saying like elections matter, even in my little backyard. I'll be the one to pull together the team and make sure they're all trained and that if any issues arise, it's on me to make sure that we all have a chance to vote and have that happen responsibly. And so my kids know that twice a year, I'm like, mommy's at the election and she's running it all day long. And, you know, we talk about how important it is to vote and they, you know, they come and see, see everybody there voting, which is exciting. But I do think by showing folks kind of by doing that, that's, that's the best way to be the way in for young people. Yeah, I will say Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision has been extremely hard for us to talk about in our family, just age appropriate wise. And like kids, we, we try to talk a lot about body, bodily autonomy and making the choices that you want to make. It's, you know, we are trying to kind of think about all the different ways to just talk about what's happening. And over time, um, it'll be a different kind of conversation as, as those kids get older. Definitely. That concludes the end of our interview. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sitting down with me to talk about the questions. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Natalia. I really enjoyed our, my visit to campus this week and the Clark Forum has been a wonderful, um, wonderful host.